Hello, Four Sober Chicks podcast listeners. We are Heather, Meredith, Dana, and Tracy, four women recovering out loud. We gather here from around the world to discuss all things related to alcohol addiction, sobriety, and various paths to recovery. We get real about the highs, the lows, and the amazing reality of living a sober life. This podcast is a creative collaboration by women, for women, and for anyone who supports women. Hello, welcome to Four Sober Chicks Podcast. I'm Heather, and joining me as always is Dana, Meredith, and Tracy. We have a very, very special guest today, Alex Mix. Sorry, McRoberts, um, Sober Yoga Girl. And I want to start off by saying thank you so much for being here. I know we're in weird different time zones. I think it's pretty late for you. So thank you for making time for us. Um, and I'm going to start off by reading your bio and then handing it over to you. Alex, who is known on social media as a sober, sober yoga girl, she is a 500-hour registered yoga teacher, certified life coach, entrepreneur, podcaster, and Ontario certified teacher. She is the founder of Mindful Life Practice and the host of the Sober Yoga Girl podcast and editor of Sober Yoga Sober Girls Yoga magazine. Since a very young age, she was drawn to yoga as a way to calm her mind and manage an undiagnosed mood disorder. She began practicing yoga daily at the age of 18 and completed her first 200-hour yoga teacher training in 2014. She was a school teacher in the Middle East for six years and now runs yoga teacher trainings and yoga retreats around the world and has created an app, Mindful Life Practice, where she teaches online yoga and builds the community. And I have personally attended one of her retreats and been to her classes and uh, really believe in what she's doing, not only in the yoga world, but in the sober yoga world, which I think is really unique. So I'm really excited to have you today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Heather. I'm so happy to be here. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate the invitation and the opportunity to share. So, so tell us a little bit about your story, how you got here and what life is like now. Yeah, absolutely. So I am originally from Canada. I grew up in Toronto and I, when I tell my story, I, I kind of would say that I grew up in a pretty normal, um, a normal household in the time that I grew up in, like in the nineties, drinking was really common. It was part of my family celebrations, my friend group, my socializing. And so when I became, when I started drinking heavily and partying as a teenager, it just kind of seemed like it was what everyone else was doing. It seemed like the norm and it didn't seem like there was anything that different from the amount that I was drinking. And over time, I think as, as happens for a lot of people, it just slowly starts creeping up and, and creeping up and becoming more and more. And I had some pretty extreme uh, situations when I was, right after I finished school, I moved overseas. And I know um, Heather and Tracy have uh, both lived in the Middle East and kind of know the Middle East environment. But I, I first moved to Kuwait when I was 23. And it's a, it's a very conservative and small country and alcohol was completely illegal there. And uh, I became really fixated on like finding ways to get it and traveling out of the country and you know going to Dubai and Abu Dhabi and having these blowout weekends and then I 
became kind of obsessed with this idea of moving to the UAE, but mostly because alcohol was legal. And I thought that, you know, everything would become better once I could drink and once I could go to brunches and have these nights out. And and the funny thing is looking back, it seems so clear that um, alcohol actually made everything a lot worse. And my life started slowly when alcohol became accessible for me to drink regularly there, my life got more complicated and things started going downhill quicker. And so I think I got to a point where I was drinking. I think I lived in Abu Dhabi for like maybe a year and a half before I got sober. And I, it escalated to a point where I was drinking like every night I would go to at least one brunch a weekend. And for people listening that aren't in that the UAE brunches are kind of this unlimited, all you can drink all-you-can-eat situation, and uh, and I would go every weekend, sometimes twice a weekend, and um, it kind of hit a point where I was hitting, like, my, I think I was just getting really deep into this state of depression and really struggling with kind of everything that was going on, and it didn't really make sense because it was like, I have a good job, I have a nice apartment, I have, you know, things are okay right now. I'm, I was teaching yoga. I was, you know, working out, going to the gym. And I, I knew that it, that it was alcohol. I knew that I had to get sober. And so when I quit drinking in 2019, I used an online community, um, to get sober. And I think I was quite, I think I was fearful of going to AA. I think I, felt, I think I felt a little bit like, I also don't think I realized or recognized or accepted that I had a, a problem with alcohol because I think I was in denial and, and that became clearer the further I got into my sobriety. You know, once I got through withdrawals and once I kind of came out on the other side of it, I began to realize that, you know, maybe I actually had, was kind of in a deeper situation than I realized. And, um, I initially only committed to like 28 days off of alcohol. And I think I made it to like day 11 or 12 and realized like, this is going to have to at least be 90 days. And then by 60 days, I was like, I'm probably gonna have to do this like for the rest of my life. Um, But my life also got so much better and I was so much happier. And, you know, there was a lot of joy and a lot of, um, yeah, my life just improved by like a hundred percent when I, when I quit. And so for a long time, I was doing recovery on my own. Um, there wasn't really anything happening in the in the Abu Dhabi sobriety scene. And also, I remember looking up AA meetings and like considering going, but it felt a little bit inaccessible. Like it, you know, there wasn't like a clear address or a place where the meetings were. It was always like someone's number that you had to text. And that felt like too many, I don't know, steps to me. And Anyway, I, I was still regularly posting in this Facebook group about, you know, every day about my sober updates. And, um, you know, of course, COVID hit when I was around a year sober. And I ended up launching online yoga and then launching online sober yoga. And I just, I'll never forget my first 
online sober yoga class because it was like the first time I had ever been in a room full of sober people. Like there were like 20 sober people that showed up and I had no idea what I was doing. Like I had no, I was like leaving this sober yoga meeting. I had never even been to like any sobriety meeting and there was like no structure to it at all. But I was chatting with everyone like, hey, how far are your sober journey? Where are you located? Like whatever. And and we had this really nice pandemic group that started and we would meet uh, you know, every weekend for like a few months into the pandemic. And that was kind of how my community that I have today was born. And it was super informal and it gradually evolved over time. Like the next iteration was like the first sober girls yoga group. And then I started doing these sober girls yoga challenges and it just kind of evolved over time. And it's so funny because when I started the community, I didn't have an intention of creating a sober community at all. Like I was kind of starting a yoga community at first. And then it just picked up so much momentum and it grew and grew and grew. And it also became something that I'm so, I became so passionate about because when you get in a room of sober people, but specifically now I mostly am with sober women and it just feels like we share so much in common and we can inspire and uplift and support each other in the most, um, the most amazing way. So I was building this sober community, building this online yoga community. This all started around like one year into sobriety. And um, I don't think I mentioned actually that I was a school teacher and I was a school teacher and that's what brought me to the Middle East. And that was my career. And I found it really tough. Um, I found it really, really draining, really challenging. And I kind of just like threw my whole self into trying to build my yoga career so that I could eventually leave my teaching job. And so fast forward to today, it's, I live in Bali now and I've been, uh, I've been sober for just over four years and I quit my job just over two years ago in, in Abu Dhabi. And I pivoted here and moved here and I actually was speaking on the phone to my dad this morning about it. And we were talking about like what a big risk it was at the time that I did this because it was like still the middle of the pandemic. Bali was in lockdown. Like there was like no one coming here. And to think of what my life is like now today. So I run yoga teacher trainings. Uh, I run my own yoga teacher trainings, which are specific for sober women. And I do those online and then also in person. I also work for a yoga teacher training school here in Bali. And so like, I regularly have groups coming in. I run my own sober yoga retreats, not only in Bali, but around the world. So I just had, you know, one in Abu Dhabi earlier this year, one in Mexico earlier this year, I had one in Toronto. And um, I also teach on these so sober women's group coming to Bali and I teach yoga for their retreats. So I have a group in right now from a sober women's group from the UK and I, you know, run the yoga in circles for their retreats. And it's just so, um, so incredibly fulfilling and so incredible to get to do something that I, I dreamed of and I just didn't believe was ever possible. So yeah, I look back on those early days of sobriety or even the days pre-sobriety, you know, the days leading up to sobriety when I was like, man, I just, I don't want to do this job. I don't want to do this life, but I like, didn't see any way out of it, you know? And it's, and it seemed if I could look back in that 2019 person and, and see where I am today, like, I think I just wouldn't believe it. And I guess 
if I could look back at that version of myself, it's like, you just take one step forward every day and you just do like the next right thing, you know, like, okay, first I'm just going to stop drinking and then I'm going to, you know, go to a therapist and then I'm going to like do this. And then I'm going to like try to pay off my credit card debt. You know, it's just like one little thing at a time. And if you just keep doing one little thing at a time over and over, like four years later, um, you'll might end up here. (laughs) So that is my, that's my story in a, in a nutshell. amazing it's it's completely amazing that like what do you think because you said like I just started I didn't intend to do this I started to kind of build a a, a yoga community um and you know we we talk a lot about different ways to recover because there's not one way and so you didn't find uh, a way that felt right for you so you created one what do you what surprised you the most or what surprised you the most uh, across this journey as you've done these really amazing things now it's a great question I think a, a lot of things have surprised me <laughs> but one was definitely the fact that that I didn't think that there were like I think for the longest time I didn't think that there were people out there like me like people I think I just thought I was like the only, I mean, I think we all go through that at some point. Like we think we're like the only ones struggling with these things, but even like, I just knew that yoga worked for me. And so I just kept going back, you know, like when I was in a really low state, I would just go to yoga. And I don't think I realized that like there there's actually like scientific reasons why yoga benefits in sobriety. There's actually other groups out there. Like, you know, there's all actually the, the yoga for 12 steps of recovery, which was founded by um, Nikki Myers. And that's another example of like a sobriety and yoga community that existed, you know, before mine. And so I'm definitely not the only one that's come up with it, but Um, I had no idea that obviously other people were like, Hey, this works and making those connections and and fostering those communities. And what surprised me is realized, realizing that when I put my story out there, it just resonated with people and, and kind of brought people together. That's awesome. I get to meet Nikki Myers in a couple of days. (gasps) Is she, is she going to be in Abu Dhabi or you? No, she's in going to be for, uh, in Chicago for the, she recovers conference. I've heard her speak before. Yeah, she's She's incredible. Oh, I'm so jealous. Actually, I think I knew that. I think I put you in touch with someone else from the community that's going. Did I connect you with all afterwards? All please do. Yes, after we do this, because I'm pretty sure I messaged her. Or anyway, I'll message you. (laughs) So, Alex, you know, I love hearing your story. I love, I love the global aspect of it. You know, I mean, you can talk about. you're from Canada, you lived in the OE, now you live in um, Bali. So my question, I, I mean, I know there's tons of server travelers out there as well. And, and how has that experience been? But how has, how have you, you've now been exposed to a couple of different cultures and the drinking there and then the sobriety mm. there. Can you just maybe touch base on like a little bit from each? You, you have the Western, you have the Middle East, and now you have the Indian. So it just like very, I don't know, any kind of feedback on that? That is such an interesting question because I've, I feel like I've gotten to reflect on it a lot in a way that if you live in one kind of country and culture for your whole life, you won't notice. Um, You might not necessarily notice how big alcohol might play a role in your 
drinking culture, for example, because you just haven't seen it in another uh, setting. And so an example like that in the Middle East, I mean, in the Middle East, I was very much in the expat world, which is a little different than the local world. And like, I remember when I moved to Kuwait, for example, within the local culture, it was like drinking was not normalized. Like it was not a thing that, you know, we would do at restaurants or, you know, out at a social occasion at a wedding. Like there wasn't, we wouldn't see alcohol anywhere, but within the expat culture, it was almost like more amplified. It was almost like, you know, don't worry, we can find alcohol. You can like, it was like, a, I remember it actually being brought up in my first interview I did with the school uh, that I later worked at, the superintendent in the interview. I didn't even ask her about alcohol because I was 23. I was like, I, I didn't think I could ask that thing. But I remember her saying, don't worry, you can get alcohol here. You can make it, you can buy it, like blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And, and that was echoed in every subsequent interview I did leading up to that school. And in Abu Dhabi, I would say similar type of thing, like in the expat world, it was like heavy drinking, especially in the school that I was at. Mm -hmm. And then when I got out of, uh, when I became sober, I started to find myself in cultures where it was way less common um like I started hanging out with people at the gym and even though that was an expat community they were all kind of health and fitness minded and so if there was alcohol consumed it was usually minimal like it would be someone would have one beer on a night out it wasn't like the binge the binge drinking the way I saw it within teachers in Abu Dhabi and in Bali, um, I live in Ubud and Ubud is kind of like the sober capital of Bali. <laughs> um, definitely amongst expats who have chosen to live here. You do see drinking, but you just know it's a tourist. <laughs> like if someone is drinking in Ubud, I'm like, are you lost? <laughs> like, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, and, and within the expats, it's, I, I, I don't even think I've ever been invited to a party in Ubud where there is alcohol, actually. Um, it's just That's super remarkable. popular. Yeah, yeah, it's super popular to have these like conscious experiences. There's sober dance twice a week, uh, sober ecstatic dance. That's like the mm -hmm. social thing that everyone goes to. It's like the church, you know? <laughs> and uh, there's just a lot of conscious events and experiences and festivals. And so I feel very fortunate. And at times, it, it, I think it also makes it harder for me to relate to people in the rest of the world, you know, like it's really healthy for me to get out of this bubble and go back into the normal world so that I know what it's like for like my clients and students. And, you know, I can be part of those experiences and share and reflect on them because it's, it's really is a, it's a sober conscious bubble here, which is beautiful. And that was actually going to bring me to my, and you might've just answered it, but was that the main draw for you to go to Bali? was because you wanted that type of, I mean, not just environment that you create, but one that you're also a part of. Definitely, definitely. So okay. yeah, I actually don't think I shared in my, when I shared my story a little bit of how I ended up in Bali, but I'll just share briefly. Um, I actually came here in 2017 before I got sober for a uh, an advanced know. yoga teacher training. And Actually, the circumstances around that are that when I was in Kuwait, which I didn't mention my story, I actually got married to a guy when I was like 25. And we were supposed to come to Bali for our honeymoon. And uh, we broke up the, literally the night before the honeymoon, like the night before the flight. And um, so I flew back to Canada and was kind of in this mental health, like 
spiral and I canceled everything from our honeymoon. And I was trying to get this, this yoga teacher training canceled and they wouldn't cancel or refund it for me. And it was like such a big price that I finally just decided, okay, I'm going to postpone this. I'm going to, you know, do my mental health recovery and then go when I can. And when I got there, I just remember it was like, so I was coming from like pretty, uh, struggling with in a depressive episode. And, and I describe it as almost like seeing the world as almost like everything's in black and white. Like you don't even see color. Mm -hmm. And then I remember this plane landing in Bali and me like stepping on this Island. And it was like Dorothy, you know, Dorothy in the wizard of Oz when she like steps into the color, it was like that. And just like fresh fruit and, you know, incense burning and music and and it was like um the moment where I was like I'm gonna live here one day like this is I wanted to stay there permanently but I had no plan I was like I don't know how I'm gonna make money I was like 25 <laughs> and um I definitely wasn't risk taking enough to just stay here which I've met so many people since I've moved here who literally just stay um but I was like I can't do that so I went back to the Middle East and worked for a while but I always knew in the back of my mind that this was like a place I was going to end up. I just didn't know how to get here. And so as soon as I quit my job and was building my online business, it was like, okay, that this is the time now or never. And I actually almost held myself back a little bit, I think, because I was so afraid because it was like, it was like the biggest dream, you know? And so I actually, after I quit my job in Abu Dhabi, I signed another apartment. I bought all this stuff. I set up an apartment and then I think I stayed in it for like three months and I realized like, what am I doing? And um, yeah, so I originally came here. I wasn't sober when I first came here, but I, it was just this feeling of being at home and probably just feeling like I found my, my sense of belonging. That's amazing. And I mean, I can't tell you how much just your personal story really parallels people seeking recovery you know you had mentioned multiple times like oh I just didn't know if I could if I was ready or if I wanted to do it and, and you were talking about moving you know and doing all these things but that underlying theme is exactly people in recovery too is they're questioning well is this what I want should I be doing this you know, being sober actually sounds really cool. I don't know if I have it in me. Like when I first realized that I needed to quit drinking, I mean, and I, I have no problem admitting that I am like, I bust my ass when I, when I commit to something, I do it. And that was the first time that I ever doubted my ability to do something that could ultimately obviously bring so much joy, you know, into my life that like just the fact that not only you chose that hard road, but then you altered your complete life around that vision. I, I think that that's huge. And not a lot of people do that. They stay stuck in that hamster wheel you know, and so I just give you so much kudos for betting on yourself and going and, you know, like you said, like living a dream that you would have never, you know, four or five years ago ever thought possible. So I think that that's absolutely amazing. Thank you.
Hi, Alex. <laughs> Dana here. <laughs> uh, longtime follower, by the way. Um, and, you know, when you were saying about the apartment that you lived in for all of about three months, was that the one that had that absolute gorgeous view of it did. <laughs> the sunset? It like you had the whole thing. She had this yeah. beautiful, you had this beautiful apartment. And then the one that they gave you didn't have the right view and you got it changed. Yes. And then it yeah. was like, and you just up and left and went to Bali. <laughs> and you know what? I think that whole thing parallels. You hear a lot of people doing stuff like this in their life of like, they just get so focused on like all these little, little tasks because they're like avoiding the, um, you know, the truth or like, you know, so focused on like all little details of the wedding instead of like the bigger thing of like, am I actually feeling right about this? And when I look back on that part of my life, I'm like, that's kind of what I was doing. I was like, so detailed about like this wall, this painting, this thing, this thing, and like this view and whatever. And then I actually sat in the apartment. I was like, wait, I actually don't want to be here. <laughs> and now my house is like the most modest, like little villa, little wooden villa in like the middle of downtown Uba. And I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> I love that. I love that you have the, the freedom and the confidence to do that. And also the confidence um, that I found in, in you a couple of months ago when you just were like, I need a social media break because you're a huge influencer on social media. And you're like, I'm out for 30 days. I, I'm, I'll see you. I'll have my people do this. I'll have my people do that, but I'm, I'm gone. And um, I wish I could do that. <laughs> I really, I want to just shut down everything. And, and I really, um, admire you for doing that. And how did, how did it make you feel? Were you anxious at first? Were you like, how did you feel at, at the beginning versus the end of that? Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, that's a great question. And, uh, honestly, I think the social media addiction in some ways for me, so I'll, I'll share one thing that prompted me to go off of social media is that I, um, I have been sober dating this year and there was this moment when this guy rejected me and my first instance was literally my first instinct was to pick up my phone and look at Instagram and then I had this like moment of like oh my god I'm doing the exact same thing I'm doing with alcohol which is like I used to numb drink my drink to numb myself out and now I'm going on Instagram to numb myself out instead of like feeling and processing that emotion and it was honestly when I realized I was doing that, it was like a relief to just shut everything off. It was immediate. It was within the hour. I was like, I'm out, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm leaving Instagram. And it was so amazing that that month, like being disconnected and being able to really focus on things that matter to me. And I feel like I became more connected to the world around me. I, I felt like it felt almost like this fog was like lowering and the things that really mattered were coming to the surface you know, and I got more in touch with friends and family and I wrote and I practiced yoga. Yeah. It was like a beautiful time actually. <laughs> I talk about it. And then I went back on and I've, I've honestly been finding it hard to find the middle between, okay, how can I have a healthy relationship with this? But I know that I need it. Like at the end of the day, there was like basically no action happening in my business during that time when I was off social media, because social media is how I connect to people. It's how I share, like, you know, I'm doing this retreat, I'm doing that retreat. And so it actually was an opportune time for me because I had a contract at, um, like I was teaching for another yoga school. So I didn't have to worry about running my business, but yeah, it's like, 
how can I find the middle with this? And, and what practices can I put into place to find balance with it? And I still don't really have the answer because I've definitely gone back straight into to that vortex. So, but yeah, definitely consider if anyone's listening to this and thinking that they, they would benefit from a social media detox, it was like the best month of 2023. (laughs) Thank you for that. Yeah. I I did a little bit of a detox last year at this time and it makes a world of difference and, and it, Mm -hmm. it, but it, you're right. It is so difficult to find a middle ground to, you know, because if you aren't active, then your algorithms get screwed up and people can't find you and you're not seeing the things that you want to see. Um, you know, especially if you have a business online as well and, or a podcast. (laughs) Um, so it, it's, I just was, thank you for sharing because it's, it's something that I struggle with a lot and, um, wanted to get your perspective on it. So thank you. So you mentioned the retreats and, um, I personally was able to attend one and, um, you know, I shared what I'll say is it was like nothing I'd been to before and the environment that you create, the safety that you create for people to be authentic and vulnerable women, you know, so it was a women's retreat. Um, what did we do yoga twice a day? I was like, Holy hell, I'm not going to be able to make it through this. Um, so, you know, cause like, I don't, you do yoga twice a day. Right. So, um, but you're, I don't know, it's really, really touching. You know, it was like, okay, if you can't do this, you can do this. Like it's so, you know, you I felt safe in that if I needed to like take a break or whatever, you know, it was okay. And these women that were there were just these really incredible women who were, some of them were sober. Some of them were questioning. Some of them were, you know, they're all kind of in a different place. Um, obviously no alcohol was, is part of the retreat. Um, so what if, what's my question here? How have you created this environment and what have you seen? Cause I know from what it was like for me, what have you seen as you've done these different retreats? Yeah. So I had my first retreat like experience when I did my first yoga teacher training it was in uh 2014 so almost 10 years ago and one element of that was called satya circles and satya is uh satya means truth in sanskrit and so they were truth circles and um I believe we must have been taught all of these sharing circle rules I, I don't remember them being taught to me but the idea was that we were you know holding space in a in a confidential circle where no advice was given and no judgment and no feedback and we each had this talking stick opportunity to share and i just remember and we did this every two days for like a month and it was difficult for me to be vulnerable and i actually don't even think i i was vulnerable in those circles at that time but the impact it had on me to listen to other people's stories and to, that was probably my first understanding and experience of not being alone, you know, hearing about some of the grief and some of the trauma and some of the lived experiences of the people in this circle that seem like just happy, normal people. And I think I started to get perspective on like, wow, um, everyone has experienced suffering in their life. And it's not just something that's unique to me and also helped me cultivate 
more empathy and understanding, and then probably ultimately a bit less judgment on myself for, um, I had a lot of shame and a lot of judgment on myself up until that point. And I think on that yoga teacher training, I knew that I wanted to do this as a career, even though I still wasn't being vulnerable in myself because it was just so tremendously powerful and impactful. And I think that's like one of the key components of this work. And, you know, the asana practice, like the physical yoga practice has great benefits, but for me, it's like all about connection and community and, you know, love and compassion and sharing our truth. And so I did a life coach training in right when I got sober and it really kind of echoed and solidified a lot of these like early sharing circle experiences. And I think that's just the biggest, I think that's like, honestly, the, probably the magic ingredient in like all of these retreats is really just giving people that space to share. And I do it even, I have to say, I have this, you know, this yoga teacher training school that I work for now, and I'm hired to be the asana teacher. Like I'm hired to teach the poses. And in the first month I've worked for them, I've done three back-to-back trainings now. And in the first month, it was kind of chaos. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just in terms of like, we didn't have that cohesivity. We didn't have that bond. And and I was like, well, maybe it's just because they're not so like, maybe it's like, I don't know. And then I kind of realized, you know, maybe it's because I'm not bringing in these facilitation skills, these relationship building skills, these community building skills. And, and, you know, I'm technically not hired to do that, but I just started doing it. And uh, the second month I did it, the third month I did it. And at the end of this past group, there was a man in the group who he hadn't really shared anything the whole month. And it was on the last night and some, and someone said, okay, share your like jewel, like your jewel. And he, he came to tears and said that his jewel was, uh, was the block moments. We called it the block moments. Cause we had passed around this yoga block. Um, and then my colleague turned, he's like, what are the block moments? And I was like, well, we do like group therapy every day. And he was like, how do you find the time? Like, he's like, where's that in the schedule? I'm like, well, we do it. Every, that's how we start every day we do like a little bit of group therapy and then we do our physical yoga practice. And so I think that's really what it comes down to. And for anyone listening who wants to, you know, build community or build retreat groups or anything, it's, I think that's what people are missing in their life. It's a space to feel heard and feel seen. And I actually went to my first AA meeting a couple months ago and, um, and I really felt like, wow, this is a place where similar type of thing, people are being seen and heard and getting a chance to share their story in a way where they're respected, they're not interrupted, they're not judged. And I just think the world needs more of that. And especially in, you know, in the case of these yoga teacher trainings, they're like non-sober spaces where people might not have had any sort of this. And so I think that's what builds the safety. And then when people feel, when the walls come down and we're in the circle and we feel really safe sharing, then you can kind of feel safe doing anything. Like you can feel safe taking a child's pose. You can feel safe farting. Like you can feel safe doing anything that is going to happen because you know, okay, I'm like loved and supported within this room. I think that is the magic sauce, right? Like that is like what helps heal and it it helps connect. And we talk a lot about the community um, you know, recovery, I don't think should ever happen for one. It needs to be, it needs to happen in a community because it's a, it's like you said, you thought you were the only one, you know, it really helps with all of those aspects. So I think you're doing an incredible job with that. 
And as we come to the end of our kind of time with you, is there anything that we will put all your links, we'll, we'll share how to connect with you, but is there anything that you kind of want to talk about um, that is going on for you personally or in your business or? Yeah. Um, so within my community, if, if anyone's listening, who is interested in getting involved with an online sober women's community, we do regular 30 day sober uh, sober girls yoga challenges. And we also have a regularly meeting group that meets every Sunday sober girls club. We have online, uh, sober yoga classes, and then also online sober yoga teacher training. So there's like a whole, um, big online sober yoga community out there. So if this resonates with you, definitely check it out and, and jump in and join us. And, and then I also have sober girls yoga retreats coming up next year. If you're more into the idea of international travel, you can come meet me um, somewhere for an adventure. Wonderful. Well, I highly recommend it. Uh, it was an incredible experience. You're incredible in what you've done and, and where you've started and where you are now. And, um, you know, we're, we're so glad that to be able to share your work and what you're doing here, um, to kind of in your world of the, of helping heal. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. Well, as always, namaste. (laughs) (laughs) You can find us on anywhere you listen to your podcast, please follow and uh, leave us a comment. We would love to hear from you. And thank you so much, Alex, for your time today. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Bye. 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 Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate you and wish you the best on your sober adventures. For more information and details on upcoming episodes, check us out on YouTube or Instagram at 4SoberChicks. That's number 4SoberChicks. We welcome your feedback and look forward to being with you on the next episode.